second episode of the Waterboy Sports Show Football Edition, third episode total. I'm one of your hosts, Frankie. The other guy is Kyle. And uh, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of football today. Um, had a pretty good week, Kyle. How about you? Did you do anything for Thanksgiving? Yeah, um, I have a I have a pretty hilarious story from Thanksgiving, actually. It was a, at a great meal this morning. Leftovers, of course. Hope everybody got their leftovers. Um, so my girlfriend and I, we went to uh, my uncle's place. And, uh, you know, it was my uncle's girlfriend's family. And they're all a bunch of, you know, classic New York Italians, very friendly and everything. But uh, one surprise, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't <coughs> expecting was there was this, uh, you know, sweet old grandma there, you know, about 90 years old, wheelchair, everything. And she was obsessed with um, BTS. <laughs> and um, you wouldn't believe it. She had a BTS shirt on and she was drinking her Michelob Ultra and they sat her in front of the TV uh, during the halftime of the football game that was going on at the time. I think it was Packers and Lions. And um, they put on like a a, a 20 minute performance of Jungkook from uh, BTS, like oh um, performing in Times Square. And <laughs> she was there sipping her Michelob Ultra, singing to all the songs and talking about how handsome he was. And that was something that? I completely did not expect <laughs> at all. Like What's complete, that? fully like New York Italian, 90 year old lady obsessed with uh, K-pop. It's uh, it's better than talking about when you get into that politics and religion talk, right? With, with, uh, in, in the classic Thanksgiving conversation. Um, I, I had a pretty good time too. I just ate a lot. Um, I will say, I missed I missed out on um I I'm gonna flame him right now. Whoever was supposed to bring the mac and cheese did not bring the mac and cheese. So that's uh, if you're that's listening, um, that's yeah. Other than that, great time. Lots of leftovers. Lots of football, which we can uh, jump into right now. First, we can start off with the Cowboys, baby. We're looking good. Oh, Dak God. is looking like a like an MVP quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. He's looking like the real deal, like the $40 million man that uh, we all expected. But uh, since our last episode, we didn't get to talk about the Panthers game. So we'll touch on that really quickly. Um, Tony Pollard, which was a weird stat that I didn't really believe at first, scored his first touchdown since week one. He scored a couple against the Giants. Um, good to see him getting involved. He's not, he hadn't panned out like we expected him to since uh, losing out on Zeke to the Patriots. As always, Micah Parsons was just totally dominant. Um, he's the first Cowboy to start his first three seasons with double-digit sacks. So if you think of like all the history of the Cowboys, that's a pretty amazing milestone. Uh, Bryce Young, another week, another underperformance from him. He's a rookie, though. He's a he's rookie. rookie I but, mean, you know. It's hard to compare when – or it's hard to have – a proper barometer for his performance when CJ Stroud is doing everything out there, but yeah, man, you know it's still a rookie. Up on CJ Stroud, man. I I, I don't want to sit out, come out here and overreact. I'll react. He underperformed. 123 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Carolina, they just need to blow up the team, I think, and start over. They're sitting at what one and eight, one and nine now. <clears throat> Got absolutely throttled. By well, the I Cowboys. think that's what they were doing when they drafted Bryce Young. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. 
Uh, they're, I mean, I don't know, man. They got a lot of work to do. Uh, just since losing Christian McCaffrey, it, it, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there, but they are a bad football team right now. Like I said, Dak is playing like an MVP. He had two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 25 for 38. Uh, he only had 189 yards that game, but he was pretty consistent, did what he had to do. Um, the Dak Prescott of interceptions, setting records, uh, he has not been that Dak Prescott lately, fortunately. So all he has to do is pretty much protect the ball and make good decisions, and um, the Cowboys are going to be just fine. Um and it's just shown a lot of development since last year. So that was a quick recap of the Panthers game. Um, fast forward to yesterday, Cowboys versus Commanders. Dak went for 22 for 32, 331 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 142.1. If you have him in fantasy, man, you're you're doing well. He may have been riding the bench to begin the year, but he's he's kicking butt now. Um, I think the highlight of the game, I don't know if you saw this, Kyle, but Deron Bland set the NFL record for most pick sixes in a season, and we're only in week 12. Did it in 12 weeks. Yeah, I did see that. Um, and like you said, the Cowboys played great. Uh, their O-line was strong, and, and and Dak was only you know pressured or even touched twice. Um, yeah. they, they He was out there eating the turkey leg during the intermission, uh, commercial intermission, uh, you know, straight on a mid game national TV, which is a, that's a, that's a boss move, honestly. Yeah. Um, The Cowboys haven't had a whole lot of luck on Thanksgiving games over the past, I don't know, 10 years or so. But Um, I I do have comments about, about, you know, albeit the win was against a very weak, commanders team Mm -hmm. and the commanders seem like after the uh second half they they kind of gave up almost uh it was just very inconsistent from there and i have terry mclaurin on a fantasy Mm -hmm. he didn't play terribly but uh i think a lot of the problem was not just it wasn't even really sam howell and his decision making it was the play calling um they would pass on the wrong downs and run on the wrong downs from what i saw um, which made me made me kind of uh, think that you know they kind of gave up for some reason, gave up their fight that they had in the first half a little bit. Yeah, I agree. It seems like uh, towards like later in the game, they were just playing not to lose. Uh, instead of playing to win, they were playing not to lose horribly, even though they did lose horribly. They ended up getting blown out by I think thirty five points. It was forty five to ten. They looked awesome. Deron Bland saved my fantasy week. Um, for those of you who play fantasy, just to give you an update on my team, I'm currently a third in my league. Uh, first and second are actually playing each other, fortunately. So I will be able to um, capture a game here, I guess, if uh, if I win this week. I was doing horribly um, to start off the week, uh, just some poor performances. I had to get Romeo Dobbs, uh, which is not ideal, but I had so many injuries. Deron Bland came in with this pick six that set the NFL record and just absolutely turned my whole week around. So shout out to Jerome Bland, huge winner of the week. Um, let's see here. So I, I think um, I have to pour some water on, on, on all this a little bit. The Cowboys have been looking great. However, a glaring issue I have with these wins is that 
they have yet to beat a team with more than four wins. Yeah, um, they. Well, that's kind of uh, that's kind of classic Cowboys fashion. I feel like I, I <laughs> yeah, I, just blowing out horrible teams. Yeah, and and then when they have it gets the Cowboys fans excited, everything. It's like, this might be the year Dak looks great against these teams. And then they have these games during the regular season and the playoffs in which they are considered punching up, I guess you could say. And they, they might make it an exciting game or they might get blown out, but ultimately they usually end up falling short against those teams that are uh, considered more well-built, more legit contenders um, from a, from a competing standpoint. Did you know another glaring stat? The Cowboys opponents have a 300 win rate. That is not great. Um, I, I think once we start, we played well against the Eagles, I will say, but uh, once we start getting to the Eagles, the 49ers, the Chiefs, that's when the real Cowboys have to come out. And I have, and like you said, in classic Cowboys fashion, I have yet to, to see them really win a, like a real impact full, meaningful game. They've just been throttling these bad teams. Um, a wild stat, the Commanders have lost to the Giants and the Cowboys in the last week with a total margin of 76 to 29. Can you imagine getting blown out 76 to 29, one of those teams being the Giants, in one week? Yeah, especially the Giants with a, uh, you know, just a absolute mess of a, a quarterback room yep. nothing nothing reliable out there so that's that's pretty embarrassing daniel um, jones out for the year well yeah for the cowboys it's like you can only beat what's in front of you at the end of the day but when it comes to uh a more of a goliath as opposed to david in front of them they uh they they usually can't beat those um yeah. opponents so <clears throat> We're going to start doing some maybe winners and losers of the week. We're working on different segments for the show. Um, I will say, let's start this week with winners. Let's start this week with a game ball. Who do we give a game ball to? Can you guess? I know exactly who it is, and I think I know who you're going to guess. Um, um, but I, I, I assume you were a big fan of the halftime to? show. Yeah. The game ball goes to Dolly Parton. And it's Dallas Cowboy cheerleader uniform at the age of 77. Open up with an absolute banger of a song, Jolene. Um, put Jack Harlow to shame. Outperformed, outclassed his uh, halftime show. <clears throat> his stage looked like an elementary like school theater set of Frozen or something. Or yeah. Like the Christmas pageant. Dolly is one of America's sweethearts, as, as we all know. And uh, whoever thinks differently is being disrespectful. I have a, I have a question, you know, hypothetical here. Uh, it came up in one of my group chats yesterday. Let's just put it more eloquently: shag, marry, kill, and we're talking all in their prime here. I want to hear your opinion on this. Uh, Dolly Parton, Cher, and Madonna. <laughs> I'm not answering this question. I think all those people outage both of us probably by a couple hundred years. So, um, come on, come if on. You wanna off- <laughs> if you want to offer the answer. Go ahead. I couldn't even. I couldn't even fathom that. I couldn't even put that into a realistic scenario. There's no way. Um, like I said, I'm outaged by probably a couple hundred years between all of them. I refuse to answer it. No disrespect to them. They put out. They are performers. They put. They put I will out. say a lot of artists. <laughs> they put a lot of artists these days to shame. Like I said, man, Jack Harlow just like outclassed. 
Um, Cher has some bangers. Dolly Barton has some bangers. Madonna absolutely have some bangers. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this question back on you if you want to answer it. Well, I'm a big fan of Madonna, so she's not getting killed. Um, like musically as a person, what? What are you talking about? No, no, no. But I have respect for all of them, so I'll leave the I'll leave the other two up to uh, up to the audience to decide. If you want to put it in the chat. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so speaking of outclassed Detroit, the eight and two Lions. Well, formerly eight and two, now eight and three. Yep, they were upset by Green Bay, who was at the time uh, prior to the game. They were, I believe, four and six, um, twenty nine to twenty two score. But I think it's safe to say that you know it was pretty much Green Bay dominate or uh, sorry. Yeah, Green Bay domination the entire game. Um, they had a questionable fake punt punt in which they ran it on fourth and five, did not pan out. Um, and you know, what do you think about the Packers and their outlook after this win? Because th- this is an impressive win for them. Yeah, I agree. Jordan Love looked great. Um, they actually still have a chance at making the um, at making the playoffs which is surprising to me. I did not expect that to actually happen. Um, I, th- I think they could do it. This, this was a really like, this is a great one. If you're a green Bay fan, this is exactly what you wanted to see. The Detroit lions are doing great. Dan Campbell has turned that team around. Uh, Jared Goff uh, has been doing great, but he just had such bad protection. He was pressured on 45% of dropbacks during this game. And you're not going to get many great uh, looks. You're not going to – quarterbacks can't work through their their, uh, progressions if they get pressured that much. So I think if you're a Green Bay fan, this is a really good win and you actually have a chance at making the playoffs, especially considering that two of the six remaining games they have are against winning opponents. Everybody else, losing records. Yeah, well, like you said, Jordan Love was great. Um, I had, you know, some some people in the house I was at. They were questioning Jordan Love as a as a as a player. You know, in theory, Jordan Love is not supposed to be good, but I guess the de- just I, the development system out in Green Bay for quarterbacks is 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 pretty remarkable. Uh, with the with the culture they've built on that team, I feel like they've had Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, people of that that class. You know, maybe Jordan Love can be one of the next greats potentially. But he did play a great game yesterday, um, and you know they the there was a forced fumble on the Packers side early on. I didn't know this, but the person who forced that fumble and recovered it, well, I think he just recovered it. He is actually dating Simone Biles. No way. Which was an really? interesting fact to know the announcer. The, the, the announcers, it was one that? of those things the announcers def- decided to focus on it. Interesting. Um, well, the Olympics are coming up. I don't know how they know these things. It's just like the most <laughs> random thing that, that you could think of. But um, yeah, like you said, the Packers, um, they're they're looking good after this win. And they two of their six remaining games are against winning opponents. So they have four games there that are, can be sort of considered not gimmies because you know the packers are haven't been great on this season but mm-hmm. 
but they're they're much easier favorable matchups for them that hopefully they can make a playoff push and and you know show people something with uh with Jordan Love. I think that one thing to note is that I believe they should give start giving uh AJ Dillon more carries because from what I saw, he's t- he's the type of guy and his legs are absolutely massive pause. But, you know, he, he can he can he's a guy that you could you can hand him off the ball on an inside run and he could fall forward for just three, four yards every time. Uh, That should be more emphasized in their, in their offense. Of course, they have some pretty great receivers um, who are up and coming. um, Mm -hmm. And they also believe in Aaron Jones, which I don't personally. um, But I think AJ Dillon should start getting more shares out there. Yeah. I agree. And like I said, Jordan Love, um, 22 for 32, 68% completion for 268 yards, three TDs and zero interceptions. That is a great game for him. And they are much further ahead, I guess, in their rebuilding era, if you will. They don't have a whole lot of work left to do. I think they should be able to carry this momentum throughout the rest of the season. And that's kind of what separates the the good teams from the great teams, right? It's like, do you how well do you play in the months of November and December? That's really what it comes down to. I yeah. think they have a shot, and it's exciting. If you are a Packers fan, I am not, but um, best of luck. <laughs> Another Speaking one of, that we should talk yeah. about is yeah. uh, is the Chiefs and Eagles oh, uh, on Monday night. I was going to say, time. teams I'm not a fan of, Eagles, but you have to respect them. <laughs> you know, given that Taylor Swift wasn't there, um it's it's needless to say that travis kelsey had a uh had a lackluster game for him yeah um but it did seem like you know he had seven catches 44 44 yards for one touchdown the one touchdown kind of saving that little dud of a performance um the the chiefs were a team that were looking you know in the driver's seat after the first half with the eagles i believe at the time jalen hurts only had uh at halftime like 41 yards passing Um, Mm. and so it, it looked like the Eagles were about to blow that game. Um, but in the end, the, the Eagles, you know, prevailed, um, you know, what were, what were some of the things that you noticed about that, that made that happen? Well, like I said last week, um, if Taylor Swift is not in the, in the stands, Travis Kelsey, you can expect a dud of a game from him. But like you said, that one TD saved him from, a really bad fantasy uh, football week, seven catches for 44 yards. Um, He had a couple of crucial dropped passes, crucial. And that was the drops. He's pretty much were across the whole team. That was, they just plagued the whole team. Marquez Valdez Gantling also had a big drop pass that probably would have won the game. Um, They definitely had opportunities to win. And I think the thing that you can take away from this is that, yeah, the drop passes were a problem, but you only lose to the Eagles by four despite an interception, despite all these uh, drop passes, these busted coverages. I mean, that's not horrible. If you're a Chiefs fan, yeah, you're disappointed in the loss, but you only lost to the Eagles by four, and you played probably the easily one of the worst games of the year. Yeah. Um, that's I'd, not I'd, horrible. I think also, though, like – the a problem with the Chiefs this year is that in previous years the weapons for Pat Mahomes were great, yeah. Uh, sometimes elite, and this year they have all these guys who you could call it just like they're 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 all competing for receiver spots and shares that 
it's pretty much a mid off. Like the, yeah. the you have Marcus Valdez Scantling, Sky Moore, Nicole Hardman, uh, you have Kadarius Tony. These are all guys that people usually pick up at the beginning of the year in fantasy, expecting them to get ten points a game or so, but then they end up getting more like four or five fantasy points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys who just in theory they could be great receivers but they they just they just aren't that um we we have frank garcia senior in chat um saying hertz is way overrated uh you know and that he might be true played. there might be some truth to that yeah this game he definitely played like he was overrated especially like you said he only had like what 40 41 yards in the first half um it was just not a great football game all the way around um uh, but as a cowboys fan i have to say man the last several weeks Dak is playing like the best quarterback in the NFC East. Um, Jalen Hurts just has so much talent around him. Wide receivers, defense. Um, he does, and he's a, he's a dual threat, which everybody yeah. likes. Uh, yeah. He's still very young, so there's room to grow. But it seems like when it comes to the moment, uh, he he falls short most of the time and, and kind of gets a little shell-shocked. Mm. Uh, happened versus the Chiefs. Yeah. Happened versus... Uh, the Jets, surprisingly, it happened in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it comes down to if you can win the big games where where you may be out-talented. You know, it's like a, a lot of teams that win championships can actually win games where they're completely out-talented. Um, it says a lot about the quarterback. But moving on from that, uh, the Jets and Dolphins um, – that is actually going to be the first Black Friday game, I think, of the NF- of NFL history. I don't know how that's possible. but Yeah, and hopefully it's a good one. Um, yeah. Zach Wilson earlier in the week was officially made QB3. Um, Rip. Tim Boyle to start for us, a uh, 33-year-old vet. Um, what do you think about that as a, as a Jets fan? I, it, was a, it was a decision that was a long time coming, and I think I have a little bit of – I guess I have pause with this because we should have made this decision a long time ago. Like we had several quarterbacks who had inquired about joining the team that ended up signing with other teams, Carson Wentz, uh, mm. namely, and you know, a couple of other people who signed as uh, out in like the free agent buyout market uh, earlier on the season. And we turned them down because we were standing with Zach Wilson at the time. And I always knew that we were inevitably going to bench him, but you know, we, I at least thought we should have gotten some insurance. Um, and now we have Tim Boyle starting who he went in a short stint when he was playing against the bills last week, he was, uh, he looked a lot more poised than Zach, but that's not very hard to do. And what I liked about him is that he takes the easy, uh, passes that are in open space, you know, Mm -hmm. in the flat, uh, the check downs that Zach doesn't, he might see yeah. them, but it looks like he doesn't see them. Ever. Doesn't execute them. Yeah. And that was yeah. my biggest criticism of, of Zach and Tim Boyle will take those easy passes. And I think it will make a big difference. I don't know if it will convert to winning, but it will make a di- big difference when we're trying to convert on third downs uh, and short, which the jets can do because we have Brees Hall able to break yeah. a lot of tackles, get seven <laughs> yards or so We have Garrett Wilson, who's able to make a big play and uh, Alan Lazard, who's pretty reliable. There was a report that I read, that Aaron Rodgers sent a video to the team uh, recently, I guess in an effort to motivate them because uh, it was of him working out, throwing around, and the team was supposedly, quote-unquote, amazed by what they saw in the video. Um, 
It was like a like an Uncle Rico um, <laughs> montage or what? How are you amazed? I don't know. That's kind of weird. I guess but... it's just the recovery he's made in a short amount of time. Like he yeah. stated, regardless of playoff situation for the Jets, he's looking to return to practice in two weeks. Hmm. Regardless of playoff situation. Yeah. So wow. I guess take that to mean he could return back to action in mid-December, like he said. Um just to do a little bit of analysis on the remaining strength of schedule for the Jets, we have the Dolphins today, a tough matchup, high-powered offense. But if there's any team that can really have the defensive effort to maybe slow that down a little bit uh, for Tim Boyle to see what he can do, it would probably be us. And then we have the Falcons coming up uh, right after that, which should be a gimme win. The Texans, who have been red hot recently, but you know we'll see how that goes. Yeah, man, and who would have, have thought the Texans? Jeez. Yeah, so that would be December 10th. You know, perhaps Aaron Rodgers returns. Maybe like little brother uh, uh, performance against CJ Stroud a little bit. Yeah. and uh, Or maybe he returns December 17th versus the Dolphins again, which I think as long as we're able to get a uh, semi-serviceable Aaron Rodgers return, I think we have a chance to win some of these games. But we'll have to put the burden on us now at uh at four and six to be able to you know win a couple of these without him because to make it a better chance for him to uh get us to the playoffs followed by that that second dolphins game will be the commanders browns and patriots which should all be easy wins for the jets so i think there's a realistic chance that we're able to finish with at least a winning record if we can pull off maybe an upset here or two within the next few weeks so you live in new york yes both teams are not great right now. Yes. You're a Jets fan. What is the goal of the season here? If Aaron Rodgers returns and like, what is the goal? The goal for me would be to win almost all, if not all of the games that we have when Aaron Rodgers is back, because that will put a, um, I guess put the league on notice that, this Jets team, if we had a a uh, a guy like Aaron Rodgers at quarterback or even a serviceable quarterback passing out there, that we mean business. And so I feel like that would be the goal. And that would set a statement or a precedent for a lot of the free agents who are potentially looking at coming to the Jets next year. For example, there have already been rumors after the Raiders game that Devontae Adams wants to return with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. Um, so that would be great to see. It would do great in terms of our prospects of uh, attracting those guys. And then also, as long as we follow that up with a good draft, for example, strengthening our O-line, there are a lot of generational uh, talents at guard and tackle out there in the draft that we have a potentially high pick for uh, to be able to to be able to snag, to be able to get some Aaron Rodgers protection out there for next season to be a Super Bowl run in the, uh, in the making. Um, a totally torn Achilles coming back in the same year. That would be pretty insane. I got to give it to him just for even attempting that. Um, well, his, a- uh, his, his treatments, you know, some of the over, over the counter and under the counter ones potentially. <laughs> yeah. might, he also might had a great a surgeon here. too. Yeah. That could be a play for sure. Whatever works, man is what works. I guess, um, he had a great surgeon. The same guy, I think that, uh, repaired, or worked on Tom Brady uh, when he tore his ACL um, way back when. So props to him for actually 
possibly coming back in the same season. A couple other games I want to watch this this week. Bills, Eagles. The Bills have been, I guess this is another chance for uh, the Jets to possibly uh, snatch a game here in the AFC East race. But I, the Bills have been, I'm sure to all Bills fans, disappointing this season. This is yeah. not the season they were expecting. Yeah, and, and the great thing about it is that, um, well, let's see, what... It's a Bills record right now. Bills are sitting at six and five. And I would I do want to talk about the strength of schedule for the Bills remaining. Um, because that will really, really incentivize the Jets to try to do well and try to still make a winning effort out of this season. Because they probably have the toughest strength of schedule I've seen to end the season. They've got Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, <laughs> oh my Chargers, Patriots, which, you know, should be a gimme. That's a gimme. But then they end the season against the Dolphins after that. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess it looks like the Jets' chance is a lot better of making it. Yeah, because I can only see one real gimme win out of all of those games, yeah. and maybe against the Chargers who are struggling, but that's still a really tough team that's considered a playoff contender. So isn't isn't a Josh Allen on the cover of Madden 24? <laughs> Is that Madden curse real? Curse. Yeah, curse, buddy. Yeah, man. Anyway, another game: Jags Texans. Another game that probably would have been relegated to a Germany or a uh, UK game that probably nobody would have watched. They always passed. send the Jaguars out there. It's <laughs> like do. it's like they it might as well the, like get a, a team, a uh, practice facility, you know, there. or timeshare out there or something. Yeah. because they probably do, man. The Falcons, Steelers, Jags. Yeah, uh, this was another game. Like I said. Jags Texans that would have been a great Toy Story game uh but this year CJ Stroud rocking this is actually gonna be a good game I think um and I'm gonna go out and say I think the Texans have a really good chance at winning this game yeah I think so uh obviously Travis Etienne hasn't been uh you know as good as as he was prior to the bye week and I think even though the Jaguars have a great offense in their more there's more continuity there the texans definitely have that fire in their in their hearts and a chip on their shoulder when it comes to this season and they want to really prove that cj stroud is the real deal which they have at this point but i think they want to do more and so i think the texans have a good chance against the jaguars uh to me it's a really even game uh when it comes to looking at it holistically Mm. um so we'll see we'll see how it goes it's going to be two really good uh, first-round pick quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud. I, I'm actually looking forward to that. Again, never thought I would say that, but here we are, 2023. I'm glad we can look forward to the Jags-Texans games. Uh, that's going to be a really good one with some playoff implications as well. Uh, another one is the Ravens and Chargers. Lamar Jackson, just like we said before, doing Lamar Jackson things. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Ravens should handle this one pretty Maybe not easily, but they should get get the job done. I think so. And even though we pointed this out as one of the games to watch this week, I feel like there the games weren't great this week w- looking at the schedule. So that's why I kind of just cherry-picked this one out of there. Um, the Chargers are still a tough team, but they've been struggling as of late, and the Ravens have been great. So yeah, um, should be a Ravens win easily. This- but this is probably one of the Chargers' last chances to prove that uh, – they 
are legit uh, for this yeah, for this season. So <clears throat> this could be a trap game, though. Baltimore at eight and three, the Chargers at four and six. Vegas only has Baltimore winning by three and a half. Is that a little bit disrespectful to Lamar Jackson? Well, I think I think maybe, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised because Baltimore. Both offenses are great, but Justin Herbert, you can't ever discount or discredit, you know, the weapons that he has around him. Um, yeah. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, guys like that. I think it's a little disrespectful. I don't know, but it could be a trap game. We'll see. <clears throat> anything else you want to add for the NFL this week or anything we missed last week? No, no, not at all. That was a good bulk of time. And, uh, we can head over to the, the college football scene. Yeah. And again, for those of you who may have joined in late and missed it, our game ball of the week, um, even though Deron Bland just set an NFL record for pick sixes, actually went to Dolly Parton, who rocked a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader uniform at the age of 77, opened up with the absolute banger Jolene, um, and just completely outperformed Jack Harlow as far as halftime shows go. So and perhaps looked even Dolly more majestic. Perhaps even more looked majestic. more majestic in that uniform than some of the 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 Cowboys cheerleaders this year. I could possibly. I don't know what to say about that, but sure. <laughs> um, okay, so the cow uh, college football scene. Man, we're getting into the stretch, and things are getting super exciting. We have a race at the top, uh, but first, we want to talk about a recap from Week Twelve. Uh, <clears throat> UTSA had a huge win over University of South Florida. Uh, they looked absolutely dominant. Frank Harris put up 411 yards uh, in the air, 31 for 46, three TDs, zero interceptions, and an additional, which makes this stat line eye-popping, 112 yards rushing and another three touchdowns on the ground. He is named uh, the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week. He also won the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose National Player of the Week, um, uh, and to just show how how it, much that means, some of the winners from this year include Shudder Sanders, Quinn Ewers, Ollie Gordon, Haynes King, and Jalen Milrow, um, just to name a few. So he's in pretty elite company as far as the national football scene. Um, the rushing game wasn't too dominant, but it really didn't need to be. Uh, without Harris, it only told, totaled 112 yards, which is a little low for uh, UTSA's explosive offense. Joshua Cephas went off for nine receptions, 163 yards, and one touchdown. One of the best stories of the year, I think, is the freshman, Devin McEwen. He's he's proven he's he's ready for to be a starter as a wide receiver and possibly as a punt returner and a couple other positions maybe. Um, but he's done absolutely great. Seven receptions, 91 yards last game. Kavorian Barnes did not play due to an in injury for the second straight week, which was a little weird, maybe a little concerning, considering the coach, Jeff Trailer said he could have gone last week, didn't play then, but also did not play this week. I don't know what's going on with that, but um, yeah, it's weird. It's him. weird because he didn't make an appearance until the... Well, I think he made an appearance a little bit in the second quarter. I think I asked about it because... He only had a couple plays out there and, uh, you know, it, I was concerned about it, but some people were saying that, that we're connected with, were saying that they, they might be just saving him for Tulane, which yeah. I hope is the case. Um, one guy you didn't mention is definitely, uh, 
David Amador or Amador. Yeah. He was, uh, he made some, I feel like every time he's touched the ball this year, which hasn't been a lot because he hasn't, he hasn't gotten as many plays out there. Yeah. Um, as we'd expect to see from, you know, a guy who's, who's got that type of talent. He makes a big play every single time he touches yeah. the ball. It's like 20 yard, 20 yard gain every time he touches it, which bodes well for our future. But it, it makes me wonder why we're not playing him as much. Maybe he's taking a red shirt season. Well, I think he's already played more than four games. I don't, I don't know, but um, he, yeah, he could be a red shirt this year. He is a bright, um, bright star, I guess, for our future. Um, so that's just a little recap from the USF game. Uh, UTSA pulled off a dominant win. I think the in, the final score was 49 to 21. Um, big win. Now getting into the rankings at the top, the very top heavy rankings just came out college football playoff rankings, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, and the big one and the unfortunate one, um, Washington surpassed Florida State. Florida, I don't know if you saw this game, but Florida State had a horrible, horrible start against an FCS opponent, which strangely enough, so did AM. Um, they played an, an FCS team and they just could not get anything going in like the first half or the first quarter. It was it was weird to it was a weird week. Um, but <clears throat> just like AM, Florida State was able to pull away. However, the biggest loss, biggest loss, and the reason why I think Washington jumps Florida State. Um, their quarterback had a pretty severe leg injury. One of those that you just you look at and you didn't look too good. His yeah. leg went like 90 degrees the, the wrong way. Um, and unfortunately, that was a game where the Hall of Fame alumni were at the were celebrated at halftime at the game. Yeah. Uh, that's so unfortunate, especially the second what second or third to last week. Yeah, and he he announced the end of his college career as as we know it, and uh, they have to end the season off. Uh, their schedule is versus a tough rivalry game, as always against Florida, and then Louisville to end off the season, uh, which will be hard to say how it's going to affect them. Uh, obviously, it's going to affect them greatly not having their starting quarterback. I don't know who they have to back him up, uh, but you should probably expect to see maybe a loss there um, in one of those two games, which would obviously eliminate them from CF, uh, the CFP playoff contention, yeah. um, which <laughs> opens it up for Washington who have no signs of slowing down. And so I'd expect to see these top four teams uh, in the CFP playoffs. Uh, yeah, coming I up. agree. And uh, like you said, they play a tough Louisville team. They're ranked nine right now. Um, but they do play Florida in an in-state rivalry. And although Florida's not ranked, those games you can never predict what's going to happen. Like those rivalry games, it doesn't matter what rank you are. That's going to be a tough, fought, like just tough fought game that could definitely be a loss for Florida State, especially since they don't have their starting quarterback anymore. <clears throat> um yeah, and if you're if you're Michael Penix Jr. from from Washington, you're thanking your lucky stars because you have a chance to really increase yeah. and improve your draft stock here. Uh, you've yep. you've got the CFP games coming up, and you can really show what you can do uh, to these NFL teams. As long as they don't pull off a TCU uh, when they get in, <laughs> get absolutely slaughtered in the in the championship game. Yeah, yeah, he should increase his draft stock. So six through eight, which is now very important considering what happened to Florida State. 
And considering that the game, Ohio State and Michigan play each other, uh, six through eight are Oregon, UT Austin, and Alabama. So all those teams now actually kind of have a way in. I think Oregon would probably – Oregon has a good shot at actually making it in, I think. Um, but it, it it depends how the playoff committee will rank Ohio State and Michigan. It's number two and three. If you lose that game, I don't – I don't expect them to drop out of the number four, you know, no. to drop, but you know, you never know. Um, so we can talk, we're going to talk about that later. The game, the, the biggest game of the year, I think across the whole nation, but there are a few championship games set up Kyle, between all the conferences already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have uh, for the ACC championship game, we have FSU versus Louisville, like we said, and that one, you know, I think Louisville will probably pull it out with this uh, quarterback injury here. Um, but, you know, hopefully FSU has some fight in them. SEC game, we've got Georgia versus Alabama, which would be, you know, uh, an absolute, you know, tight matchup. Alabama, you know, with the history they have and Georgia with how well they've been performing this year. Conference USA, we have Liberty versus New Mexico State. Liberty, uh, perfect undefeated this year so far um you know who's gonna who says that they beat new mexico state though that's gonna go a long way in terms of determining if it's gonna be a conference usa uh new year six uh bowl contender or if it's gonna be uh more of the the uh classic aac winner of the uh, of the conference championship uh to be in that new year six bowl so Hopefully New Mexico State, for our sake, has that fight in them and they're able to take down Liberty. Um, We also have the MAC uh, game set. That's Mm -hmm. Miami-Ohio versus Toledo. Um, To be honest, not super familiar with either team, but I know they're having great seasons. And then we have the championship games not set, uh, if you want to introduce those. Yeah, um, these are some definitely to look at. And surprisingly, going second to last week of the season, they're still like what six conferences not set so going into the big 12 it's probably going to be ut austin and they're either going to play osu or oklahoma or kansas state but the crazy stat is that there's technically seven teams that could still make it in um and they come down to some crazy hypothetical like computer rankings and just a web of hypotheticals um but it's a win and in for ut and osu O- OU would need a win against TCU. Uh, they need UT to beat Texas Tech, and OSU has to lose to BYU. Kansas State can still make it in with a win against Ohio or Iowa State. UT has to beat Texas Tech, and OU and OSU both have to lose. So it's looking like UT and OSU are going to be the Big 12 uh, championship game. But you never know because it's, never know. it's very competitive, more so than it has been in previous years. Yep. So. Yep, absolutely. Speaking of competitiveness, the Big Ten, the game, as it's been called, Ohio State and Michigan will face off for the 118th time. The first time was in 1897. That is wild. Um, But this will determine probably which team gets in the playoff. I still think that even if you lose this game, you should still be in the playoff. But again, you never know. You never know. Um, I think it would probably depend on the margin of victory. Yeah, if this game goes overtime, I mean, I can see both teams staying staying in the playoffs. But the winner will face Iowa in the Big Ten uh, championship game. Pac-12, Washington secured a spot. Oregon uh, was the win and in for them, but they play Oregon State 
in-state rival. So remember those rivalries, man. You can never never predict how they're going to go. Well, don't don't fast forward too much past the game of the year. Who do you think? Who do you have in Ohio State versus Michigan? I man, <clears throat> I thought that the Jim Harbaugh thing would fuel their players, and I think it did the first week. But Michigan had a tough time getting st- anything started last week. I think they played Maryland. Uh, it may be a hindrance now, <laughs> the, the Jim Harbaugh thing. Um, Maybe I wouldn't be surprised if important. Ohio State wins. Yeah, I, I think Ohio State might might actually pull this off. Yeah, I agree too. I'm picking Ohio State. Uh, okay, but back to the uh, the mm-hmm. championship, uh, conference championship game scenarios, Mountain West. We have UNLV winning in uh, against San Jose, uh, San Jose State, looking good for them. They would play the winner between Boise State six and five and uh, Air Force, who I would take Air Force in that situation. I think yeah. that UNLV will likely play Air Force in the Mountain West Championship game. Um, and Air Force, you know, looking good this year. So it's really the the time here for a service academy to uh, actually make something of themselves and their and end up their college season. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to see. Um, Boise State, it's weird how they can still get in. They're six and five, but whatever. Um, not not super competitive conference, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, the Sun Belt, Troy Clinch, the West, one of the few conferences that still do divisions. Uh, so they're in. JMU can't participate due to the NCAA rules, which that sucks for them. But uh, next year they'll be eligible. If Coastal Carolina wins, they're in. So JMU will still have an impact. And the AAC, man, huge, huge uh, matchups coming up. There's still three teams at the top that are all undefeated. Two of them will play today. The winner of the AAC will most likely get to New Year's Six Bowl as they have in the past, I don't know, five or six seasons. If SMU loses to Navy, though, the tiebreaker will go to the computer rankings because there's no head-to-head matchup between SMU and UTSA or Tulane. It's a win and in for UTSA and Tulane, who will actually face off today at 3.30 Eastern time on a primetime Black Friday matchup on ABC. That is pretty cool. I'll be tuned into that for sure. We'll all um, be tuned in. Let's talk about that matchup a little bit. Let's go in depth here um, because that's what we do as UTSA fans. Obviously, mm-hmm. we talked about Frank Harris on senior night, really making a game for himself uh, in what was said could be considered one of his, uh, probably his last bowl game in the, or sorry, his last game in the Alamo Dome, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think is the case because I believe we're going to win against Tulane. But he really, just in case, made it made it a game for him. Yeah, yeah. If if SMU loses, then and so UTSA would have to win. SMU would have to lose in order to have another Alamo Dome game, which uh, it's it's possible. It, it would be tough to see Navy win against SMU, but um, I I think the UTSA and Tulane matchup will probably be will decide who wins the AAC. Honestly, those two, those two teams are just just so good. Michael Pratt he just passed all time passing record at Tulane. Makai Hughes is another guy to watch who is having a thousand yard rushing rushing season. However, one of the key players to watch, well, I guess not watch. The best wide receiver is out for Tulane. Lawrence so, Pease, I believe. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that out. will. That would be a hindrance for Michael Pratt, I think. Uh, but they're not a huge, like, offensive team. Like, they they win their games with defense. 
UTSA is the complete opposite. That is a high-flying offense who has not scored less than 34 points in, 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 since entering the AAC. So yeah. For the, for the first time, we actually are, like, are healthy. I know we've watched a couple of game, a couple of cha- championship games over the past couple of years where we just were not healthy at all like throughout the season. And still pulled it out, but I'll be in Conference USA. Yeah. Those were against a couple of tough opponents. So, I mean, UAB and Western Kentucky, those were, I mean, Bailey Zappi was on Western Kentucky. Those were tough games. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But um, yeah, this could be another level of, of uh, competition in the AAC. One thing to note, though, is like Tulane is just barely, barely squeaking by opponents over the last four or five games or so. Last four out of five games were only won by a total margin of 14 points. Um, UTSA, on the other hand, has beat out their opponents by a total margin of 96 over the past five games. Yeah, we're we're on the up and up, and we have all the momentum coming into this game, which is why a lot of the pundits out there, especially with that receiver injury out uh, out there for Tulane, uh, have have selected UTSA as the victor of this game. So hopefully that rings true, and we'll definitely be we'll definitely be supporting all the way all the way yep. through all four quarters. Um, Those are the sounds of New York behind you, man. Sounds of New York. <laughs> I uh, think Tulane. The Vegas favors Tulane at three and a half. The total is fifty-two. I've said it. Um, I've said it for the past three years that I don't. Actually, I don't even want to jinx it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. No, I'll say it. I'm going to jinx it. But if you were betting on UTSA the past in 2021 and 2022, that was still a team that was totally flying under the radar, and we were just severely just undervalued as a team. And if you bet on UTSA consistently over the last two years, you would have, you would have been able to retire. (laughs) I I said it, Vegas did not know the roadrunner team and we consistently won. I think this is another game where UTSA is a little bit um, undervalued or disrespected a little bit here. Tulane's a great team, but I don't know if I see them being three and a half point favorites. Yeah. I don't know if that's completely true. I see UTSA as being favorites always, uh, especially in this matchup here. I feel like we have a good chance. Key players to watch for us will be uh, Josh Recifus, who just broke uh, the uh, single-season receiving record in yardage for UTSA, I believe. Or was it all time? It was all time. It it was was all time. time. Yeah, Yeah, that that was remarkable. He's been a guy who... You know, for the past couple of years, he's kind of been in the shadow of JT Clark and Zikari Franklin, more of a slot receiver for us, but he's really that number one option this year, and he's he's proving every cent of it, basically. Yeah. Devin McEwen, superstar freshman coming out here, and I'm sure he's going to perform just as consistently as he has been. Um, Kivorian Barnes, another player to watch because especially he hasn't been seen much of uh, in the last couple weeks. And so it's going to be important to see how we really emphasize our our triangle of toughness. Robert Henry's been getting a lot of carries recently, um, which has been it's been effective. Uh, but we really need our our uh, three headed monster out there, yeah. Rocco, yeah. Robert Henry, and Kevorian Barnes to emphasize our run the ball defensive triangle of toughness uh, to supplement. And support mm-hmm. Frank Harris, who uh, is leading the great passing offense on the defensive end. 
Of course, we have Trey Moore, uh, who is a key player who's been all over the field, everywhere, always. That's like um, our version of Michael Parsons, man. You want to talk about a guy that can get to the quarterback and just cause havoc um, through an offensive line. Trey Moore, I don't know if we're going to have him next year. I didn't think we would have him in December or possibly later in November, but now that we're here, he decided to play. Uh, he could definitely declare for the NFL next season. I hope we get him for another season, but he is just that good. I mean, just wreaking havoc through offensive lines. He's going to be a crucial part of this game. Definitely. Another guy I do want to note is uh, Cam Alexander, who uh, has been playing uh, you know, sneakily well all season out there at uh, um, in the secondary. And he's he's been he's been really good, and I, I always like to see him because he's very athletic. He's always got a chance to uh, pick the ball off when it, they send it out deep, and so uh, he's been he's been definitely a key player for us in the secondary. Yeah, yeah. Whole last couple of closing points is that again, UT has outscored at least thirty four points in every AAC game they've played in. Uh, this one has this one can't be any different. If if UTSA is going to pull this out, they have to force it to be a high scoring game because those those are the games we win. If it's low scoring, if we're talking seventeen to twenty, Tulane has a really good shot. We can't play into their game. They're they're just so good at defensively. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is two masterminds, man, Jeff Trailer and Willie Fritz. Both teams are coming off double digit wins, uh, just prolific seasons over the past couple of years. These coaches are just masterminds and have so much respect for each other. They know who they are, who each other are. They, man, it, it's it's. I think it's going to come down to schemes, the offensive and defensive looks. So the offensive coordinator is going to have to really like just open up the throttle on Frank Harris here and just let him fall. This is one of his last games of his collegiate career. Um, last year they opened up the, th- the throttle just to see what they had. Jeff Trailer said they've been limiting Frank Harris on the ground because of all of his injuries, but last week they had to see what what he could do. So he had a monster game last week. If he can carry that into this game, as well as get the running backs going, Trey Moore has to do his thing. Everyone's got to play well, man. This is going to yeah. be a tough game. And I think it's, it's definitely advantageous for us that we were able to have that game because – um, I think that if Tulane game plans more against Frank Harris uh, and surrounding how we how they can stop him, that plays into our hand because we can we can probably get the run going from that point for for Barnes, for Henry, for Griffin. And if they plan against the run, they plan against the, the triangle of toughness. You know, then at that point, that opens it up for Frank Harris to really show uh, show what he can do uh, in the air. One thing that. I haven't heard many people talking about is the Tulane defensive coordinator, Sheil Wood. Unfortunately for UTSA, he was the defensive coordinator last year for Troy, who held Ah. UTSA to a season low, 14 points. Um, Frank Harris had two interceptions that game and only threw for like, 100 or 200 yards like the lowest the worst game he's had so he's he's come out and said in interviews that the offense looks pretty similar to when he was at troy and um he's very prepared for utsa this year because he's seen him before he feel like he knows the offense very well 
it's going to be about Jeff Trailer and the offensive coordinator to come up with some I, – I don't know if they need to abandon their game strategy that they've had all year, but they just have to outperform. It's all about execution, I think. The other and, thing is that there were extenuating circumstances to that game as well. That bowl game, we had several key players who were either preparing for the true. NFL draft or they were out, namely Zakari Franklin. Of course, we don't have him this year, but yep. we have all the people that we game plan to have for yep. this game. So that's yep, going to be right. something, a different a differentiator in that's this true. game. He has not played against, uh, or he has not coached against Joshua Cephas. He was out last year um, at the game against Troy. So it'll be interesting to watch this game. I think this is this will be one. This is probably the most important game in UTSA's history, if not absolutely maybe second or third. Um, I think you could argue a couple of those Conference USA championship games were probably the most important, just because that's what really put UTSA on the map and pole vaulted them into the AAC. Now, if they can come in and win the AAC in the first year, oh, man, I, I wouldn't. Pac-2, give us a call, man. <laughs> give us a call, Pac-2. <laughs> We're ready. But, uh, no, it's going to be a great game. I'm excited on national TV. Past couple of games for UTSA were also on national TV. Uh, so if we win today, we're going to have another game on ABC, um, the AAC championship. Don't want to eat the cheese. Don't want to say it's going to be us. We have to take it one week at a time. But also the bowl game will most likely be on ABC, ESPN, or you know, CBS or something. So could be five national televised games to close out the season for UTSA. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Kickoffs in a little bit over three hours. And uh Whew, I, I've kind of got the nerves. I'm going a little nervous. Yeah. I'm a little nervous, man. Um, but I have faith in our team. I think this may it's it's going to be about execution again. Jeff Taylor and the offensive coordinator are going to have to come up with some great schemes, but it's going to be about the players just delivering, doing what they've done the past seven games in AAC play. Um, man, it's going to be it's going to be tough, but I, I think UTSA pulls this one out. I do too. Do you have any closing comments as we wrap up here in uh, the Black Friday edition of the Waterboy Sports Show? No, uh, just that, you know, we'll be back uh, in a few days for our basketball episode and uh, make sure to tune into that. We're, of course, on all platforms, YouTube. Make sure to subscribe, follow on Twitch, follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything. Uh, make sure to just listen in wherever you uh, wherever you prefer to uh, listen to your podcasts. Uh, and then also... Enjoy your Black Friday. Get your shopping done. Make sure to enjoy some of these games. And uh, I know we will. All right. Stay hydrated. That's it for us. All right. We're out.